Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 135. In this week's show, I encounter a basset hound who's doing her bit for charity. We've raised money for the brook now for about eight years and Emma and Haley's total is just under ten and a half thousand. We have the Dogcast Radio News and I'll be sharing some very personal news with you. But before all that, we have an interview with Pam Johnson. Pam runs her Dog Academy in San Diego and has produced several YouTube videos to help owners learn how to train and interact with their dogs. There are so many toys available to buy for our dogs, but do we know how to get the best out of them? I wanted to know from Pam what toys she recommends. Okay, well, I, I, I think, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I think that there are, every single toy out there can be fun for dogs. I just, um, a lot of people, once they buy a toy, they give it to their dog and think, oh my gosh, he doesn't like it. Mm. You know, they put it on the ground and they think, oh, well, my dog just doesn't like toys because it's not doing anything. It's boring. It's just laying there on the ground. So I think any toy can be a great toy. Um, of course, I have a few that are my favorites, and I'll, I'll go into those in a little bit. But um, first they have to build some sort of drive or motivation to get the dog to really love and want to play with mm-hmm. the toy. And I think most of all, to want to play with the toy with the owner. Um, a lot of times we, I call it, I play ball with my dogs and they love that. But really I'm throwing, I'm throwing the toy away and I want, of course they come back, but a lot of times people will play fetch and I've seen this at the park so much with frisbees or balls and they'll say, but my ball, my dog doesn't bring the ball back, or my dog doesn't bring the frisbee back. Hmm. Well, the dog hasn't found value of playing with you with that toy. Yeah. So um, I think most of it is finding value of playing with the human as well as playing with the toy. So building that motivation of really wanting to play, not necessarily just with a toy, but with the their person, their human, their yeah. you know, their their teammate, mm. their it, it's, it's, family member. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because our border collie is is ball fixated, and you know a tennis ball to a football. He you get a ball out and he's just fascinated. But yeah. I wanted him to play with frisbees as well, um, and and he was just like. I, I couldn't care less about a frisbee. Actually, I, I, I'm just not interested. They're not round enough, you know. They're not spherical. I'm not interested. And so, at the training class, the trainer said, "We'll just play with the frisbee between us," and we made it as high energy as we could. And then all of a sudden, he was like, "Hey, I want some of this." Right. Yeah. So, so you built some value for that frisbee mm. um, just by getting him excited about it. Yeah. 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 Um, I think a lot of times too, you can take which was my next point, which is why I'm glad you brought that up, is because you can take something that they find valuable already and use that to build value for something else. So um, a lot of times dogs that are not toy motivated but are more food motivated, um, you can use the food to motivate them to play with the toy. So 
let's say the dog is ball motivated but not frisbee. You can say, well, if you run even, if you even sniff this frisbee, we'll start there. If you even look at this frisbee, you get your ball. Hmm. If you even um, sniff the frisbee, yes, you get your ball. If you chase the frisbee, yes, you get to play ball. Maybe you even get a couple chases of ball. You chase the ball a couple times because we want to build that value for the frisbee. So we build the value for the frisbee through using their primary reinforcer, which would be the ball. Yeah. Um, same goes with a dog that's food motivated and doesn't like to play. You can take food and go, oh, you want to sniff this Frisbee? Yes, awesome, you get a piece of cookie. Mm-hmm. Want to um, taste the Frisbee? Yeah, awesome, you get a piece of cookie. So before you know it, you've got a dog that goes, oh, here comes that Frisbee because I'm I'm also going to get other things that I really like. And then before you know it, you've got a dog that loves the Frisbee too. Yeah. And then you have another reinforcer. That's really fascinating. Do you ever find as well that that owners underestimate their dog's interest in toys? And why I say that is I I have a lab, a Labrador, and I would have sworn that he was only motivated by food, you know, and and praise and and, and fuss, but food. And we went to do agility and the trainer said, you know, I'm, did you bring a toy? And I didn't. And he just did, like, tug toy playing with the lead. And, right. And I kind of stood back thinking, you're going to fail here, sunshine. This isn't going to work. And, and Buddy did it. And I was amazed. And I, I admitted it all to the trainer. So I said, I didn't think that was going to work. Um, but, I, you know, so he had this, this toy drive, this play drive, that I just completely, mis- uh, completely underestimated. Yeah, yeah. I think we get stuck thinking, oh, our dog just really loves only food. Mm. And so that's all he's going to, you know, he's not going to ever like playing with toys because he just never has in the past. Yeah. Maybe we just haven't really tried. Mm. You can, like you said, um, you can take the food, like I've used this with string cheese, and you just swing it around, you make it exciting and make them chase it and play and have fun, and then you give them a piece of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're actually using that, and I'll get to, um, which is what I want to talk about later, but I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit right now because we're kind of on that subject. Mm. But a dog that is very food motivated, you can also, there's really cool frisbees and tug toys that have Velcro, and you can put food inside there. Mm. So you throw the toy, they bring it back, and yay, they get their food because it's right there yeah. inside the tug toy. So those are also really fun toys for dogs and actually can help build a toy drive. Yeah. Using the food, of yeah. course. It's excellent. So there's no shortage of a variety of toys, is there? No, no, there's tons. <laughs> <laughs> tons and tons and tons of toys. And I always find new ones when I go to the pet store. And then I have to tell myself, no, we don't need any more toys. We can use anything that we have at home. We don't need any more. But I'm addicted to buying them probably just as much as my dogs are addicted to playing with them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so what do you, what, what's your recommendation for sort of uh, different toys for dogs then? Um, well, I recommend, well, I put them into categories. Mm-hmm. There's, um, I, I, there's tons of different categories. And, um, of course, you have your tug toys. And um, I love bungee tug toys mm-hmm. and fl- tug toys and, of course, ones that you can stuff and put food in the Velcro area um, because it's got two rewards. 
Um, I really love those, and I love ones that you can put in your pocket. So they sell sometimes tug toys that are small enough where you can put them in your pocket, or you could probably make your own. I'm not very good at making my own <laughs> things like that, but you can make your own with fleece or um, old T-shirts. You could probably make a tug mm. toy out of some socks or something that you have at your house. Um, but I really love those, and I love tugs because um, – you're part of that game. So you're part of that that fun game that the dog um, wants to play with you. So tug's not any fun if you're doing it all by yourself. It's only fun when someone else is pulling and trying to get it away from you. Um, Which also brings me to another point with the tug toys is it's so important to have it under stimulus control. And that just basically means in case viewers don't understand what stimulus control is, that just means that you ask for the behavior, they do the behavior, and then you ask them to stop doing the behavior. That way, um, let's say I'm tugging, or I have a tug toy, and I'm not ready to play, and the dog is jumping up, biting at my hands because he sees the tug toy. Mm -hmm. It's got to be under stimulus control, meaning I say, take it, or take, you know, we play, and I say drop, and game's over until I say take again. Um, That'll save fingers, for one. Yeah. And that'll also save injuries. When I first started dog training, which was about six years ago, um, I started with traditional methods, which I'm sure probably most people have. And um, then I switched to clicker training, but I didn't really know very much about stimulus control and putting things on verbal cues. And, you know, I, I, did, I was just learning. And uh, my border collie was in the kitchen playing tug with my husband. We just got back from a clicker expo up in L.A. And we were so motivated on teaching him all these cool things that we had learned. And he was probably, I want to say he was about five months old. Maybe he was a little older. Mm. He jumped. My husband went to stop playing tug with him and put the tug up on the countertop, and he jumped and lunged to get the tug and fell and fractured his tibia. (gasps) So he spent the next two months in a cast, Mm -hmm. and then the four months after that, getting um, going through physical therapy and and getting his leg back to normal. So um, stimulus control is extremely important. If I can't stress anything enough, that's extremely important. (laughs) I mean, it's funny, I was thinking of Border Collies because it's that that stimulus of of movement that they they can barely resist. So to have that sort of, no, just wait a minute and, you know, is a brilliant um, instruction to have, isn't it? Yes, it is. Well, with any breed that loves to play, um, definitely can save maybe save them from having a broken leg or maybe save you from getting your fingers chomped off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I learned that the hard way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Those tug toys, when they're snapping at that tug and they just don't know that they're not supposed to be snapping at the tug, then mm. you know, that just creates a problem. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so my next favorite, of course, are um, fetching-type toys. Mm-hmm. Fetching toys like balls, frisbees, things like that. Um, I I tend to buy a lot of the rubberized type balls because um, the tennis balls, if they if they chew on them, mm. it can act as 
very it's very similar as sandpaper or it just wears off their teeth. Really? So, um, yeah, and I definitely wouldn't recommend if you do give your dog regular tennis balls, make sure they play with them and then you put them away so mm. they're not chewing on them all day because that'll really wear down their teeth, especially mm. their canines. Um, and as far as Frisbees, I like, you know, the more expensive Frisbees, like Hyperflight and Skyhound brands, uh, I think Hero brand, those are better quality Frisbees mm. than the ones you might get at a, I don't know if you guys have Petco out there or PetSmart or, you know, some of those, yeah. you know, those factory, those pet stores. Um, they sell really cheap plastic Frisbees, and mm. those can break and mm-hmm. cause problems with their teeth. and Yeah. So it's much better to get the good ones, even though they're more expensive for sure. Yeah. Or yeah. the floppy frisbees. Floppy frisbees are great because you can play tug with them too. So. <laughs> yes. And I, I always think as well, if, if a dog's going to try and catch it in midair, you want a fairly light one and, and you say sort of a floppy one that's not going to smack him in the face if he gets it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the floppy ones are great too because you have two toys and, for one, you can play fetch or you can play tug with it. Mm, excellent value. Yeah. <laughs> and you can you can fold them up and stick them in your pocket. Yeah. And they work great that way. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Um, if you can't throw a ball very well, they have really cool, I don't know, in the U.K., but they have really cool device called a chuck it. Mm, I think, yeah, I think we call them flingers, like a long piece of flexible plastic. Yeah. With, yep, yep. Yeah, we, where you can pick it up, pick up the slimy, gross ball, <laughs> yes. and then you can chuck it or throw it. Um, and if you don't have a good throwing arm, man, you can really, you can get that ball going pretty far out there with yeah. one of those things. Yeah. You, so you can, those can I, are always fun. Yeah, I, I would just like a word of caution there because I have a flinger and I've, I've flung yeah. for my Labrador for, for years quite happily. But having two dogs... And going for two walks a day initially and sort of flinging for two dogs for twice the time. I've really hurt a muscle in the top of my arm. So can I caution people, build up. <laughs> Don't just double oh, yeah. what you do. Or maybe um, become ambidextrous, yes. right? And and do both arms. <laughs> the thing, you know, I've tried Get a good workout. Right arm, left arm. Mm. Right arm, left arm. Yeah. There's, a, there's a real knack to them, though. And you have to let go at the right time. And I cannot do it with my left hand. I've tried and tried, but you know yeah but they are i mean dogs love them because they get a really good run yeah and they have the ones on a rope too where you could swing it mm, mm, yeah i'm better left-handed with one of those than i am with the chuck it mm, for sure isn't that funny yeah. yeah i think kong makes them um it's just a ball on the end of a long rope and you just swing it yeah and they make one for floating which is a kong on the end of a a long rope and you toss it out into the water yeah yeah. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. So if your dog likes water, you can still have a game of fetch, but just get him to swim. Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. And then my next one would be um, all the chew-type toys, uh, chew bones, chew toys. I think um, my fa- definitely my favorite is Kong. Um, they make all sorts of different. They make squeaker, mm. chew-type bones. Um, that are kind of rubbery, yeah. and the dogs could do on them. And then they, of course, Kongs, because you can stuff them full of great things. Yes. And um, I also really love for chew-type 
things that you can leave out for the dogs are the the antlers, mm. the various different types of antlers, like moose antlers, and I guess elk is huge. Um, mm. I don't know any other type of brands, but I know elk and moose, they have antlers really good for their teeth as far as yeah. getting off all that plaque. And that's, that's literally an antler from an animal? Yes. Oh, wow. I, do you know, I've, I don't think we have those in the UK. Oh, they're, um, you know, it's, it's hit or miss on the dogs that like them. I have three dogs, two Border Collies and a Husky Shepherd, hmm. and um, my one Border Collie loves them, the other one doesn't, and my Husky Shepherd could care less about them. <laughs> but my youngest Border Collie, he just loves those things. Hmm. He'll even hide them, and he thinks that they're great, like, to... <laughs> to mess around he thinks the other dogs like him but oh. <laughs> you know, just stick him in their face like come on don't you want it mm. no I mean, we like, don't want it yeah they're like no no it, it's funny they <laughs> they do i mean my labrador is really easy going but he had um a, a kong wubber um, oh yeah. yeah and he just loved that and usually it was sort of covered in cloth and it squeaked and that and he loved yeah. it and it's the only toy he's just looked at the other dogs and gone no you're not sharing that sorry no and run <laughs> off with it <laughs> so they all have their own tastes don't they yeah exactly I think it's um it's fun to watch dogs play together though with toys I I just videotaped my three dogs playing with a tug toy hmm. and I hardly, every time I bring out the camera, it never fails. They turn it on and make that little <laughs> noise. They all stop what they're doing because they think that we're going to go do some sort of training. The camera is like a trigger. Yes, we're going to go do some training. Oh. Um, but this time I already had it on, and I, I captured all three of them playing tug. It was just, it was just fun to watch yeah. dogs just play together like that. <laughs> So. It is. Do you know, I remember when, when Star, our, our Bichon, was very young and there was a particular ball that was sort of fairly soft rubber and big and it had holes in it so you, they could get their teeth into it and pick it up. Um, and they both wanted it, but they'd sort of, if one of them had possession of it, the other one would wait till the dog in possession was looking the other way and then just sneak off with it. They wouldn't confront each other, but they'd just do a sneak attack and take it, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Mm. Those things are, I think it's fun for them. It's like stalking. Yes. Ooh, am I going to get my my prey yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. And then um, some other toys that I really like are the puzzle and food dispensing toys. Mm. Um, Kong makes one where you unscrew it and you put in, I used to use put in kibble because, um, you know, it's cheaper and... Mm their dog food and you know it can be part of their daily food allowance Mm. but um you can put all sorts of different types of treats in there for fun but the dog has to physically knock them around either with their paw or their nose or however they want to do it um and the food comes out yeah and so it provides them with some mental stimulation and um some exercise and mm. it's just fun yeah they're, they're good if your dog sort of bolts its food as well isn't it because I, I know at one point buddy was sort of just wolfing his, his food down in in sort of 30 seconds and we oh, got yeah. yeah so we got a ball like that that sort of he had to work to get it and um and it just slowed him down and, and he didn't wolf it down was that your labrador yeah that did that yeah that was my yeah. labrador yeah yeah they tend to eat really quickly and and love their food yeah yeah, he, he definitely. Virtually, 
He virtually inhaled his, you know. <laughs> and that can cause all sorts of stomach problems, yeah. too. So that's a really good reason to use food dispensing toys yeah. to slow your dog down, yeah. for sure. And they do love them. Yeah, they do. Mm. Because it's, it's, it's a challenge, I think, to get their food out. It's, it's mentally stimulating. They have to figure it out. So yeah. Yeah. for them. Okay. Kong makes one. I think uh, there's another one called the Pyramid, which I like, and a new one that I just found called the Food Maze. Hmm. And all that one is, it looks like a huge, a huge maze, and you just put kibble or, or treats inside of it, and the dog has to um, stick their tongue or their nose and push the food around oh. until they can put it out. Oh wow, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, it looks like fun. I'm going to have to get one. I just saw it on the Internet when I was searching for cool things for this interview. You don't, I just also want to bring up, though, you don't have to buy expensive items like that. Mm. Um, you know, we, we tend to think that, oh, we have to buy it because it's the only way to um, get that type of um, food dispenser or that type of toy. I mentioned earlier about making your own tug toys, but you can also make your own food puzzles for dogs. Hmm. Um, sometimes I'll use a cupcake pan. I never make cupcakes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I use the cupcake pen for, you would stick a tennis ball. And this would probably be better for a dog that's not um, toy motivated, but maybe just wants to try to find the treats. You just take the cupcake pen and you put tennis balls on top of each little cupcake tin and hide pieces of food underneath various tennis balls. You could put food underneath every tennis ball. It doesn't really matter. But the dog has to basically use their nose and try to find which um, which tin the treat is hidden in underneath the tennis ball. So they just take the tennis ball off, get the treat, and then go to the next one and try to find the treats. Yeah. So that's a fun one. Yeah, oh, and you can a take idea. a yeah, um, I think I know. I saw it in Kira Sundance's. Uh, I think it was like 101 Dog Tricks or Puppy Tricks or something. I'm like, I already do that, but <laughs> that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can also take um, water jugs or milk jugs. I don't drink milk because I'm vegan, but um, you can take water jugs. My husband still drinks milk. Um, or milk jugs, and you can you can poke, puncture puncture holes big enough for the kibble to come out. Hmm. Duct taped, you know, put on some sort of top. You can screw on the top um, if you have a plastic container that has a screw on, or you know, one of those tops where you can just push it on and poke some holes in it big enough for the kibble to come out, and then you've got your own Kong dispensing toy right there. So hmm. cheap from just an old plastic milk jug or Tupperware container or Rubbermaid or, you know, whatever type of container you have, you can easily make your own just by puncturing some holes in it. Yeah. I guess if if you are going to make sort of homemade ones, you need to supervise and sort of make sure when they've got all the kibble out, you take it off them. Yes. Very good point. For sure. I would say it's supervised with most toys yeah. anyway, mm-hmm. um, especially if you have multiple dogs. So you don't want any resource guarding yeah. or, um, you know, one dog 
not getting a turn maybe, I don't know. Um, mm. Because sometimes I have three dogs and I'll put out three dispensing toys and they all want the one. (laughs) So, you know, then I have to kind of say, okay, Dana, you've had enough. You're you're done. Okay, Twix, your turn. Go play, go play. Okay, Twix, you're done. It's all, it's your turn. Yeah, yeah, you have to (laughs) referee, don't you? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, or, you know, just so that, like, they're not, they're definitely, they don't guard anything or they're not, um, they don't react to other dogs or get upset if other dogs eat their food and stuff like that. But um, they just will, as I call it being a ball hog. You know, the kid in school that always has to have the ball yeah. playing basketball and doesn't pass it and doesn't, you know, doesn't let anybody else have a turn. Mm-hmm. They, they become what I call ball hogs. <laughs> <laughs> they just kind of monopolize the toy and they don't let the other dogs, the other dogs are just drooling over there. Come on, I want my turn. Yes. <laughs> Oh. So, yeah, definitely supervised for many various reasons. Mm. Mm. That's, that's great. I mean, have we covered all, the, all your categories now? Oh, no, I have one more. Mm. Um, using non-traditional items for rewards that you might not think um, your dog would want, first mm. of all. Or you might be somewhere and you might not have a toy and you might go, oh, my God, my dog just did a backflip and I need to reinforce that so maybe they'll do it again. Hmm. I'm just being um, over-exaggerating. But um, <laughs> So if you're out somewhere and you don't have a toy, there are many things that you can build and make as toys. Hmm. Um, I use my baseball cap. So in a lot of my videos, you'll see me wearing a baseball cap. That's because I play tug with that baseball cap. Mm. So my dogs know that that hat can possibly be a tug toy. They might get to play with it or they might not. Of course, it's under stimulus control. I don't want them jumping up and trying to bite at my head. But um, I use my shoes. So my tennis shoes, I might, if I have absolutely nothing else to reinforce, I will take off a shoe and play tug with them. (laughs) Um, I've used... Towels, rope, um, their dog leash. Mm-hmm. I use their leash on walks all the time. You know, maybe we're working on just loose leash and they don't, they're not tugging on their, their leash. We're just walking. And then I might do a little bout of some heel work and some fun, and then I'll say, okay, get it, and then I'll have them get their leash. So um, plastic lids for tougher lids, I've used those for training agility. Mm. Put food reward on it, but then you can also use it for a lid as a frisbee. Yeah. So maybe for a dog that's not really food motivated, and you're having them drive to the food, they get the food. Yes, you got the food. Now you can have the lid as a an extra reward. Mm-hmm. So you know, of course, supervise because some of those things might be toxic. Yeah, um, you yeah. don't want them sitting there chewing them up or anything. But you know, as a quick reinforce. A quick reinforcer for something that they did. Yeah, yeah, and, the, and as long as it's on stimulus control. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and, um, but I mean, play is a very powerful reinforcer. It's a very powerful tool that we should exploit. You know, it, it's fun for the dogs, but it does help training, doesn't it? It does, mm. and I think um, anytime you can use something that they really love to um, to to build some sort of behavior, I think it's worth worth it to use it um a lot of times i'll use just 
games that we make up that don't in, don't have any toys involved at all. Um, things that maybe they, my border collies like to do this weird game. They, I've called it the rough, rough game, but um, where they just run through my legs and I turn and they run back through my legs and I turn <laughs> and they run back through my legs and I every time they go through, I kind of pat them on the butt and I go, rah, rah. <laughs> and they think that's just the greatest thing. Aww. And so I've used that as I turned it into more like a leg weave. And I use that to reinforce them in the middle of a canine freestyle routine. Yeah, that's brilliant. So I, I, like just, that. I mean, you know, you can do anything, whatever your dogs find reinforcing, as long as they think it's fun and playful. You know, I would use it for sure. Yeah, um, I'll build that bond. Yeah, Pam, that's brilliant advice. Thanks ever so much for that. Um, if people want to find out more about you, um, I know you have YouTube videos and, and a website. So, where can people find out more information about you? Um, my YouTube channel is under Pamela Markson. That is my first name and my husband's first name combined. Um, it, it's spelled P-A-M-E-L-A-M-A-R-X-S-E-N, Pamela Markson, mm-hmm. on YouTube. Um, my website is also www.pamsdogtraining.com. And... Um, I have a blog and everything, too, but I never can remember any of those. (laughs) You can always find those things from my website or from my YouTube channel, though. Excellent. Thanks ever so much, Pam. That was great. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Play is such a great motivation for our dogs. And I think Pam had some interesting and innovative suggestions there. We have links to Pam's website and YouTube account, both worth checking out for dog training advice. And if you have found or made a toy that your dog loves, do let us know. It came to me that every time I lose a dog, they take a piece of my heart with them. And every new dog who comes into my life gifts me with a piece of their heart. If I live long enough, all the components of my heart will be dog, and I will become as generous and loving as they are. Unknown. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www dogcastradio.com Hello and welcome to the Dogcast Radio News Desk. I'm Nick. And I'm Kate. Ashley and Pudsey won UK talent show Britain's Got Talent earlier this year. And according to the latest news reports, Pudsey is going to be the star of a new film. The working title of the film is Superdog and as yet it's unclear whether the human half of the doggy dancing duo will also appear in it. Apparently, the movie will be action-packed and follow the double life of a dog who is a pet by day and a superhero by night. Ashley and Pudsey have appeared on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno and been guests on America's Got Talent. They may well be judging a new ITV2 reality series called Top Dog Model, so they're certainly not short of offers. But our dogs don't have to have amazing talents or be superstars to earn our devotion. And for a dog owner in the US recently, her reluctance to give up on her dog paid off. In 2011, Brenda Fisher's 15-year-old dog Simba was lying on the drive when a workman injured the dog whilst moving a truck. The vehicle's tyre drove between the dog's legs, leaving poor Simba paralysed. Simba's veterinarian advised that he should be euthanised, and Brenda made an appointment, but a chance remark from a neighbour about getting a second opinion caused her to visit a second vet. 
This vet, Dr. Kelly, at the Lewis and Clark Animal Hospital, suggested laser therapy. And incredibly, after two weeks of treatment, Simba was showing improvement. And after two months, he was walking again. Now, several months after the accident, Simba is 16 years old and still going strong. Meanwhile, a dog in the UK was also demonstrating that there's definitely a lot of life left in older dogs. 11-year-old Rottweiler Missy had been left home alone when her family were called away to an emergency. A neighbour settled Missy down for the night, but when she returned in the morning, there was a large pool of blood by the back door. It emerged that during the night, a would-be burglar had put his arm through the cat flap, trying to reach the door handle and let himself in. Only he had bargained without Missy, who damaged the man so badly that there was enough blood for the police to extract DNA from it, and happily the culprit has been caught. If only there were a Missy waiting behind the front door for every criminal. The dramatic breakup of Twilight stars Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson has hit the headlines with speculation about who did what and who said what. But one of the thorniest issues the ex-couple are having to deal with is custody of their dog, Bear. The German Shepherd Cross was a rescue dog and the couple dote on him and until recently they were discussing adopting another dog as a companion for Bear. Sadly, all that has come to an abrupt end and it remains to be seen who will end up with the dog. And we end on a story that demonstrates how dogs can bring out the best in people and unite communities. Tony and Lisa Griffin were visiting Ruskin, Florida, with their Yorkshire Terrier Louie. Sadly, a maid accidentally let Louie out of the condo they were staying in, and the situation was made all the more desperate by the fact that Louie is Lisa's service dog. Around 40 local people helped search for Louie, and though the little dog remained missing all day, happily he was found safe and well just as night was falling. And that happy ending is also the end of the Dogcast Radio News for today. Goodbye. Dogs are the best friends humans have. Shouldn't we be theirs too? From a place to love dogs.com. I was minding my own business wandering through Ludlow when I spotted a basset hound snoozing happily in a pram outside a charity shop. I went over to investigate and spoke to Lynn Bailey about her charming and very laid-back dog, Haley. And as you can hear, Haley was attracting a lot of attention from passers-by. So we're standing by your very contented Bassett. What's her name? Her name is Haley, and Hayley. she is nearly four years old. Yeah. Now, you tell me what Haley's doing, because it's not what you'd expect a dog to be doing. <laughs> well, Haley and her predecessor before her, Emma, raise money for charity. Our English charity is Sue Ryder, mm-hmm. um, who have care homes, um, and they send us the people with life-changing illnesses. Yeah. Yeah. And the other charity is the Brook Hospital for Animals, mm. which helps working horses, donkeys, and mules in third-world countries. Mm. We have raised money for the Brook now for about eight years, and Emma and Haley's total is just under ten and a half thousand. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> now, they're obviously working hard. She doesn't actually look at the moment like she's working hard. Well, she's, no, look. Is she disabled? No, she's not disabled. Well, I was to, wondering why she was in the pram. To lift her up so that you can say hello to her. Oh, I see. She has walked, so, doesn't she? Oh, yes. Oh, that's all right, then. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, know, I, put, I put my pound in, so I'm entitled to my... <laughs> Oh, what a shame. Wake her up. She's so contented. 
tempted. Yes, yeah, you say she's just lay there, but she yeah. is actually working flat out. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. So she's been in here most of today? Most of today. She's been off for a walk. She's had breakfast. She's had lunch. Yeah. She had the remains of my chicken and pasta <laughs> salad. She's had treats in between. Does she get toilet breaks? Yes, she does. Yes, of course. No, but if she was at home, would she be doing fairly much the same but on the sofa? Or uh, Yes. Yes. She does occasionally play with toys, but not very often. Yeah, yeah. So she's fairly laid back. Very, very laid yeah, back. Yeah. I do have another one, Phoebe, who is just the opposite. Really? <laughs> really lively? Very lively. Yes, yeah. And how old is Hayley? She'll be four in December. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible because she's just lying in the pram. She's so cute. She's lying in the pram and she's got a pillow and she's got her collecting bucket at the other end. <laughs> and she's just accepting cuddles yep. to raise money. She friends. is. She doesn't really take much notice, as you can see, of people. <laughs> Where did she get the idea of putting her in the pram? It was quite by accident. I was doing a fundraising thing some years ago, and I picked Emma up off the floor mm. and put her on a table in the Market Square yeah. here in Ludlow. And uh, there was a bowl at the side of her, and people put money in. And that gave me the wonderful yeah. idea. And since that day, I suppose my dogs have raised around £19,000 for charity. Wow. You're doing a fantastic job. Well done. Thank you very much indeed. Cheers. I just hope that the House of Lords think the same. All right. Now tell me about this. Ah. <laughs> I have been invited for the second time to hmm. go to the House of Lords. Hmm. This time it's for an evening reception. Yeah. Uh, the Brook Hospital did inquire if I could take Hayley with me this time and they've said no due to health and safety and security reasons which is ridiculous Hayley is super quiet little dog she could even go in her pram so I have emailed them Um, I am going to write to them sort of but the letter will be from Hayley to, <laughs> to the Queen's Corgis. Oh, brilliant. I like that. I like that. I like it too. Yeah. And you might get some action then. We just made it. Yes. Fingers crossed. Well, best of luck. Let us know how you get on. I will do. Thank you very much. Lynn's dearest wish is that Hayley will be allowed to go to the House of Lords this October. The Brook Hospital for Animals has been invited to go to a reception and has offered Lynn the opportunity to go. But, as has happened in the past, the House of Lords has refused to allow Hayley, who, after all, is responsible for attracting a lot of donations, entrance on health and safety grounds. If you would like to see Hayley's fundraising efforts recognised, you could contact the House of Lords direct. And if you'd like to contact Lynn, please get in touch with me, julie at dogcastradio.com, and I'll pass your message on. To boost Haley's fundraising efforts, you can send a cheque to the Brook Hospital for Animals, but do make sure you mention it's for Haley's appeal. We have some photos of Haley in her pram on the Dogcast Radio website and Facebook page, and she really is a sweetie. I watch my dogs. They throw themselves into everything they do. Even their sleeping is wholehearted. They aren't waiting for a better tomorrow or looking back at their glory days. Following their example, I'm trying to stick to the present. 
Abigail Thomas. This episode was delayed a couple of weeks, and I hope when you hear this, you'll understand why. I suppose looking back, I should have taken more account of the date, because it was Friday the 13th of July when I found a lump on Buddy's neck. It didn't fill me with dread, to be honest, as he has had one or two little warts in the past, which we've had checked out, but have always been nothing more than a wart. All the same, I rang the vet and made an appointment for the next morning. Getting up early on a Saturday is one of my least favourite things, but for Buddy we all did it and were soon in the vet's consulting room. Our vet, Carrie-Anne, looked at and felt the lump and then said something I didn't expect. That feels a bit different. I think we'll needle aspirate it. Bless my patient and tolerant dog. He sat there while Carrie-Anne stuck needles into his neck, Jenny on one side of him, Anthony on the other, me at his head, offering encouragement and treats. I recall so vividly how he sat there, still as a statue, his big, brown, reproachful eyes locked onto mine, as if to say, I don't like this, but if you say I have to do it, I'll do it. Reassuringly, Carrie-Anne said the fluid looked fatty and that that was a good indicator, so afterwards I pretty much put the whole thing out of my mind and got on with life. It was on the following Friday morning that the bombshell, which has turned our lives upside down, fell. The phone woke me and I staggered to it to hear Carrie-Anne's voice. She explained gently that Buddy's lump was a mast cell tumour, a skin cancer that can spread. She advised me, They can be nasty. We need to get it out. I was shocked and crying. My dog had cancer. But I understood the urgency and we booked him in for surgery the following Monday. We tried to focus on giving him a great weekend, but we cried so much. And I dreaded Monday morning. Monday is when Debbie Connolly and I record the dog news show, and though I feared I would weep my way through it, it was actually the distraction I needed and took my mind off worrying for a while. Plus, of course, Debbie understood exactly what I was going through. Buddy came home with shaved patches here and there and a large scar on his neck. It was about four to five inches long, much bigger than the tumour itself, as the key is to take all the cancer away. Clear margins is the expression used, and it means the surgeon wants to leave behind only healthy tissue. While we were waiting for the results of the biopsy, I found another lump on Buddy's stomach and Carrie-Anne referred us to a specialist clinic. The Willows in Shirley was the referral clinic, and everyone we've met there has been supportive, friendly and informative. There, Buddy had a scan, an X-ray, and a needle aspirate of his lymph nodes, all looking to see if the cancer had spread anywhere else. Those tests revealed something that left us reeling. Buddy has a tumour on his adrenal gland. I was by now in utter turmoil. Buddy has got to nine and a half with nothing more serious than ear mites. He doesn't even look his age, only having a smattering of grey tucked away under his chin. And now, suddenly, in a matter of a few short weeks, he'd gone from being a healthy dog in his prime to a dog that had serious problems. We were confronted by his mortality, and though I don't normally shy away from confrontation, I'd have done an awful lot to avoid this particular one. After much discussion, and here I'd like to thank our vets, the wonderful specialist at the Willows Clinic, and Debbie Connolly, who have all supported me and spent a lot of time informing me, and boy, has it been a steep learning curve. We now see the way forward. Luckily, both buddies' mast cell tumours were taken away with clear margins, 
Both were grade two, which is smack bang in the middle of the range. But the blessing is that both were very non-aggressive and unlikely to spread. And there is no evidence of spread. So that tumour on the adrenal gland is the big issue now. To remove or not? There are no statistics on how many dogs have adrenal tumours and live their whole lives with no health problems from them, as you're only usually alerted to them when the dog has a symptom caused by it, often Cushing's disease, although there are a range of other conditions. Plus, of course, if Buddy's tumour is cancerous, who knows how fast or where it could spread to? At the moment, Buddy has no symptoms, but blood tests were borderline, not abnormal, not normal. In some ways... Thanks to those mast cell tumours, we've been alerted to a problem before it did any damage. Put ahead of the game, as it were. But the gamble is this. Do we opt for invasive, complicated surgery that might be unnecessary? Or do we wait and see what happens, but wait in the knowledge that by the time symptoms appear, Buddy's health will have been compromised and he will have to face surgery with a tumour that will have grown, making the operation even more complicated or possibly inoperable. There's no right answer, but after a lot of soul-searching, Buddy is booked in for an adrenalectomy, the removal of one of his adrenal glands, and that blasted tumour on the 18th of September. I'd appreciate it if you'd hold him in your thoughts, and if you feel comfortable to do so, please pray for him. And can I ask one more thing? Check your dog for lumps. Do it today and check all over his or her body. The key to surviving mast cell tumours is to catch them as early as possible. Summer 2012 has not gone how I anticipated. I just hope that I can enter autumn with a healthy, happy buddy at my side and that he will accompany me through many more seasons. The truth I do not stretch or shove when I state the dog is full of love. I've also proved by actual test a wet dog is the lovingest. Ogden Nash Did you know that the first ever Dogs Dinner, a nationwide initiative to raise funds for Hounds for Heroes, is fast approaching? Everyone is encouraged to host a dinner party over the weekend of the 14th and 15th of September. The meal can be as adventurous or as low-key as the host decides, ranging from a restaurant in my house, a quiet dinner party for friends, or simply a beer and pizza in front of the telly or games console, or even a bark Guests are asked to donate what they feel the meal was worth to the charity. It's the brainchild of Robin Hollington, and 100% of all the money raised will be given to charity. Robin is a man on a mission to raise millions for charity. He admits it's been his coping strategy after the tragic death of his son. Robin said, Hounds for Heroes is truly amazing. It will provide specially trained assistance dogs for injured or disabled men and women of both the UK Armed Forces and Civilian Emergency Services. My wife and I were honoured when one of the charity's first batch of puppy cadets was named Yomper Ritchie in memory of our son Richard the 300th UK serviceman, to die in operations in Afghanistan. It costs £20,000 to train and maintain each dog throughout their working life. But for the people the dogs will help, these dogs are priceless. To find out more, there's a website you can visit which is packed full of party ideas, recipes and menus and supporting materials including a poster, invitations and place cards, all of which can be downloaded. 
That's all at www.dogstodaymagazine.co.uk forward slash the dogs dinner. And to find out more about Hounds for Heroes, visit www.houndsforheroes.com. That's it for this episode. So until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident Dogcast Radio. That's all one word, Dogcast Radio. By email, you can contact me on Julie at dogcastradio.com When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. It was the end of the day when a policeman was parking his van in front of the station. As he gathered his equipment, his canine partner, Spike, was barking and he saw a little boy staring at him. Is that a dog you've got back there? the boy asked. It sure is, the policeman replied. Puzzled, the boy looked at the officer and then towards the back of the van. Finally, the boy asked, so what did he do?